<laughs> Why do I think of Charles Schultz and Peanuts? And here's the thing. When I started hearing Pokemon Theater Camp, I got to tap out because I'm like, I don't know anything. I want to be like cool like Pastor Eric who like knows all the fun lingo, man. I'm telling you. Good morning, Fremont Community Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Nice to see everybody. Summer's here. Hume Lake is coming. Super excited to send my child to Hume Lake, who doesn't want me following her around this year. Sorry, I just embarrassed you, hon. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we are in a series called I Never Said That. Uh, Pastor Eric's been uh, kind of taking us through these frameworks of these sayings that where do we find these things? Um, you know, God won't give you more than you could handle. I think I've heard that. I don't know who said that, but Eric kind of fleshed it out the first week. And then last Sunday, he talked about God helps those who help themselves. I feel like these are like grandma statements, like, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness or whatever. Um, but, you know, I love a good quote. Um, it always strengthens, it strengthens a, a, like a dissertation or a paper if you're a student, right? You always want to, like, quote and then figure out if that quote is true. For instance, have you guys heard of this quote? Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Remember who said that? Who said that? That's pretty true. John Lennon. And I had to make sure, did John Lennon really say that? Because when Pastor Eric's talking about this, I'm like, boy, with the internet now, you, who really says these things? Or this one, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. Who said that? Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin. Okay, and I, I made sure that the facts were there. Or um, in the framework of Abe Lincoln, in the end, it's not the years of your life that count, it's the life in your years. I was kind of inspired by that a little bit. Like, go Abe Lincoln, who knows all about failure, right? Um, and of course, this is like one of my favorites. Life is either an adventure or nothing at all. Do you know who said that? Life is either an adventure or nothing at all? Someone who was blind and deaf. Who was that? Helen Keller. Yes. Can you believe that? My goodness. And then I got to throw a coach in there, a basketball coach. If you're a basketball fan, today is a glorious day. Two game sevens. We don't have to be nervous, right, as fans. In some ways, I, I almost feel like, ah, I don't, I'm going to get nervous again because they're going to make it. You know, we'll see how the Warriors do. But if you like basketball, there's lots of good stuff happening. So John Wooden said this, success is never final, failure is never fatal, what counts is courage. And we're going to talk a little about courage this morning. Last, this is the quote that I put on the end of my emails. I used to put this on there. I've since revoked it, but I'm thinking what I see in life right now, I've got to put it back on. It's easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken men. Okay, and that was Frederick Douglass. So speaking of VB, or, uh, I say VBS, food truck theater camp, there is no better investment that you can make is building into our children and our youth. That is our future. And so some of us in here are, are grandparents and you think, man, I have nothing to give. But you know what you really give is, is a smile and a listening ear. I think that kids and, and children need to be listened to a lot instead of preached at, although there's a time for that. But this is a church of listeners. I see how you minister. You guys are good listeners. And that's what kids need, just to be celebrated. You can do it. We got this. It's super fun. I'm excited about the workday next Saturday. That'll be great. I know what I'm bringing my kids to next Saturday so my wife can put her feet up. All right. So this week, we are talking about this statement. Have you guys ever heard this phrase? 
And I think it's on the slide there. There it is. Life will be easier when you're a Christian. Do, do you guys ever hear about that? Life will be easier when you're a Christian? I mean, were you promised that? I was kind of campus crusade for Christ. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I'm not saying it's not wonderful, but you kind of get this thing of like, well, it's supposed to be easy, right? Is God going to like take care of all my different things in life? Well, the seed of truth in this statement, let's find that, is in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, and it says this. This is a familiar verse that some of you might already know. And it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's what Matthew, the tax collector, wrote about Jesus. I guess that's the easy life, right? Jesus is going to give us rest. Maybe you think of Psalm 23 and you're like, oh, quiet waters and rest and relaxation. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But what do you think Jesus might be referring to something that's easy there? What does he mean by taking our burdens and giving us rest? Is that the easy life? Might be. In Jesus' day, the religious authorities were good at kind of looking and seeing what burdens they can put on people. Okay, these scribes, these Pharisees, these professors, whatever you want to call it, okay, they, they wore certain things, they, they gave speeches in the temple, and they loved to, to, to basically preach. And they lived up to this thing called the law of perfection, which I think a lot of us do today. We're raised in a perfectionistic culture of trying to get the perfect grade, the perfect paper, the perfect whatever. And what it is, I think that we were trying to earn favor in this next life by doing things that we know are perfect, right? But it can't be done. That's why, like, the Ten Commandments, I'm always thinking, okay, what are the Ten Commandments? Hopefully you all know the Ten Commandments. But the very first one... We automatically break, right? You remember the first commandment? What is the first commandment? Anybody know what the first commandment is? No other gods before me. We live in a culture where there's lots of gods that are before us, so we break all those, okay? Um, and so this is what we're looking at this morning, because in James 2.10 it says this, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one area of the law, then he or she is guilty of all of it. Oh, man, right? Come on, there's no way. So what is Jesus talking about this rest? Well, Jesus took on the burden of our sin and absolves us from the guilt and the penalty of sin. Okay, so this is a quote, since we're talking about quotes, is one of my favorite. This guy is like a, he's a, he's a, he's a, um, kind of like a, a friar scholar. He's been divorced. He wrote a cookbook. And some, uh, yeah, he wrote a cookbook. I'm like, this is my kind of guy. But he has not had an easy life. And he, and he says this. I don't know if, can you guys read that? Okay, my eyes are, you guys have got good eyes. This is Robert Farrar Capon. And he says this. In Jesus, God has put up a gone fishing sign on the religion shop. He has done the whole job in Jesus once and for all and simply invited us to believe it. To trust the bizarre proposition that in him every last person on earth is already home free without a single religious exertion. No fasting till your knees fold. No prayers you have to get right or else. No standing on your head with your right thumb in your left ear and reciting the correct creed. No nothing. The entire show has been set to rights in the mystery of Christ. Even though nobody can see a single improvement. Yes, it's crazy. And yes, it's wild and outrageous and vulgar. 
And any God who would do such a thing is a God who has no taste. And worst of all, it doesn't sell worth beans, but it is good news, the only permanently good news there is, and therefore I find it absolutely captivating. And I want to be swept up in that because I am not good about receiving things. It is hard in this culture to receive and to ask. And the good news is that Jesus took on the burden of our sin, paid for by his blood, and we're healed. In Jesus, God put up the gone fishing sign on the religion shop. And I love that picture. I love that image that in Jesus did it all. And we're invited not just believe it, but to also trust it. And that in itself is a life journey. Because I think the easy part of being a Christian is that, okay, Jesus did all this for us, right? We can't, we can't pay for our sin. We can't conquer death. We're born into a fallen world, but Jesus took care of all that. Because by his mercy we're saved. Not by the works or the good things that you can do or try to do. And it's so hard for us as a culture to do that, to accept things. Because we're not good. At least I'm not good at receiving things. But I love that in this, I believe Jesus is, is telling us that the burden of sin, that's the yoke that Jesus took. The burden of our sin. And trying to earn God's favor, which I think we still do. Do I go to church enough? Do I tithe enough? Do I serve enough? Relax. The, the gone, gone fishing. I love it. Taken care of. Paid in full. Through this series, Pastor Eric has kind of reminded us how we as Westerners think and value like independence. And that was a good reminder for me because I think the measuring stick is the lens that we look through, right? I think, therefore I am. I should have checked and said who said that. But really, we, we think, therefore we are. We are human and we feel like, wow, this, this is... This is who I am. I mean, let's look at, I, I want to go to the slide four. Let me go back to this. I want to look at Luke chapter nine in the message version. This is kind of a good reminder as we're going through this this morning, looking at is the life, is following Jesus easy or is it easy being a Christian? Okay, so then Jesus came and told them what they could expect for themselves. And this is the message paraphrase. So just go easy on this, but I like the imagery here. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? I don't know about you, but I want to be in the driver's seat. That whole thing is God is my co-pilot. I'm down with that. That's hard to give up the driver's seat in life, isn't it? That's, that's really hard. And I love that self-help is no help at all. I go to the library, not the library, where do I go? I go to half-price books. You see all the self-help books that are out there, right? You know, I want to quote Oprah here and there. And the power within, I am my own Zen master, right? You want to look at Thich Nhat Hanh and all these sayings. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. What, what is Jesus getting at? Well, he's getting at self-sacrifice is the way. Death to self, which is to me the hard work of, of following Jesus. And I love the imagery, again, that we are not the character in the story. King Jesus is the character in this story. And again, I'm stealing that from Pastor Eric. That, that is something in this series that we want to remember that it's not about us. We are not, it's not about us. It's not about us. 
And the truth is that we are part of a community. Because as Westerners, we're so used to do everything by ourselves. Writing a paper by ourselves. You know, relating with God by ourselves. Coming to the communion table and it's okay. My relationship with God and me and this. And then we forget, wait a minute. It's out here. It's all of us. That the Bible is written in community for community. And I love what Paul says to the church in, in the church in Philippi. This is the second chapter. He says this, hey, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Ooh, that's a tough one. Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. See, that's where we lose our life to find it. We think that we have to keep up this image to find our life. And it's so easy to do in our culture because we are surrounded with just, you know, eternal beauty. Like I, I see guys my age starting to like dye their hair blonde, right? And uh, the plastic surgery thing, and not that I'm knocking all that stuff, but there's something about image that's everything. Didn't Andre Agassi say that in like the 80s with the Nikon images everything? Whatever happened to Andre Agassi? Is he? <laughs> Maybe he's playing Pokemon, I don't know. But image is everything, right? That's kind of the thing. And I'm looking, thinking, okay, when you're born into this world, at least when I was born in 1970, how did, what, was our, what was our first words? When you are yanked from your mother's womb, the safety of the womb, where things are easy, you get everything you need, you just kick it in the womb for nine months, and then you're pulled from there, what does the doctor do to get you to breathe? Smacks you on the butt! That's what you get when you get in this, on this, you're born into, I get a spanking? What's going on, man? I, I, that, that's, that's no good. But then I'm thinking, wait a minute. Naked we come into this world and naked we depart. So when we're here, we've got to do some things, right? Because there's war going on I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, and I, I always want to go back to John 16, where it says, Jesus says this, and this is a direct quote from Jesus himself. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have to repeat this phrase every day when I get up. And the, uh, the Greek word for that trouble or tribulation is called philipsis. And I'm looking at this this week going, conflict. I don't like, I don't like conflict to begin with. I like peace. I like making peace, keeping peace sometimes, but then at the sake of not really speaking up for what I think is right, that's, I don't want to be that kind of guy. But I really think that life is a crucible, like parenting is a crucible. Like grandparenting is a crucible, right? All this stuff that's going to test your marriage. It's going to test you. It's going to test you in community. So sometimes church is a crucible because you've got different personalities and different ways of thinking and different ways of interacting with God. So this is what we see. Not that I want to bring you down, but I remember that Jesus is saying, don't forget to take heart because in this world, you will get squeezed. I like that. I don't know who said that in this series, but I do feel like in life we get squeezed. And to take heart, that's the hardest work for me as a follower of Jesus, is not to lose heart in this battle down here and to remember that life has a way of jading our hearts and squeezing us out a little bit, okay? Now, I love 80s music. You guys remember Don Henley? Okay? That song, This is the End of the Innocence, there's a little phrase in there that I love to sing sometimes when I'm, when I'm in my melancholy mode. It's when happily ever after fails, and we've been poisoned by these fairy tales. And I think that's why I like working with children, 
Because they're not there yet. There's an innocence of just, they love to be together, they live in the moment, they show up, they're learning stuff, they're asking a million questions. My son is asking me and he wants to know where rocks come from. How did it get here? And he's asking these questions. I'm like, okay, I want to nurture in him. Let's figure out what's another question I could ask him instead of just saying and answering it. I want to help build that spirit of, of that he's always going to ask questions. Because I think once they get to be a teenager, they stop asking questions. And that's the worst because they're being formulated. They're realizing, well, Disneyland's not cool. Disneyland's stupid. <laughs> this is lame, right? And that's why I think they gravitate towards these songs because they're trying to express you know, what's going on in their hearts that essentially life, it, it is painful down here. And I look at a lot of you and I know of some of the pain and, and the life that you've had. So good news is that Jesus says, be of good cheer. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You did not overcome the world. You will not overcome the world. You will die and you'll continue to pay taxes. That's the, that's the hard part. But Jesus says that he's with us because he has overcome the world. He's the victorious one. I am not. See, the culture wants to tell us that, oh yeah, you will be victorious, you will, you will ascend, and you should you know, leave your spouse because you deserve better. You deserve to fall in love and feel all those feelings again, and you can leave your family. This is really who you are. Be true to yourself at the cost of family and, and friends, right? We just do. We live in a, a selfish, selfish world, and I am the most selfish, let me tell you. All right, so... I think we're sold this false premise that when we follow Jesus, things will be easy. Do we think life is easy? Well, if you think life is easy, just wait around a while, all right? Because I don't think it is. That we think that when we become a Christian, Jesus will fix our problems or take your pain away and answer all your prayers. Maybe you were bought into this idea of this prosperity gospel that you'll get money and security and you'll get stuff. But I don't think this is what Jesus is after here. I don't think this is the reality of life with God. At least it hasn't been my reality. I want meaningful. That's what I want. I want meaning. I want feelings. Instead of running from the, 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 the grieving and the, why am I feeling this way? I want to embrace that because that's where Jesus is. And I think the most meaningful things in life are the most challenging. It's true. Let me just give you an example. As a dad, I love getting my kids out. I love when I feel like I get them off screens and they're exercising and we're eating somewhat decently. I feel like things are great. They get along. They look at the trees. They hunt for lizards. They laugh. And then I'm like, I can't wait till they get to bed because I'm done by 8 o'clock. <laughs> so it's this yes and. It's this both and, isn't it? It's like there's these moments of just like, ah, oh, yes. And then it's gone. And then it's, they're bickering. They're fighting. Then they, they say mean things. I'm like, oh my gosh, when is bedtime? I just want to be done. But this is what life with Jesus is. I believe it's an adventure. Stories filled with highs and lows of the daily mundane. And life is very mundane. It really is. It's mundane. It's beautiful, but it's mundane because there is something down here called darkness. And I want to let you know a little bit what that's like, okay? Do you know that when you were born, you are opposed? Your life is opposed. You are in, God made you in his image. Your marriage is opposed. Darkness, the principalities, evil wants to pull you apart, wants to pull your children apart. 
wants to come at them and say, this is who your identity is. This is who you are. And that could change daily in the teenage culture where I'm seeing a lot of things in who their identity is. See, the enemy wants to kill the image bearers that we are. And I want to remind you this morning that we are light. Jesus is the light of the world. And he says, oh yeah, you are the light of the world. So you, you are light. Pushing back the darkness. Stepping straight into spiritual battle to bring a taste of heaven to earth. This is a daily thing, folks. I think darkness wants to keep us in bed with the covers over like, why try? Because we have all these things. But we have to remember when we wake up, we are at war. But Jesus is with us every step of the way. Because we're engaged in a spiritual battle. We just are. There's darkness. You're opposed. Everything in life is opposition. I mean, what is, the, what is darkness? What is the enemy's modus operandi? It's to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't know how much more plain Jesus said this. The enemy, he's a thief. He wants to take your heart and rip it out. He wants to twist the truth. Wants to twist your grandchildren's image of thinking, well, this is what society says I am, so therefore, I think, therefore, I am. And he's after the church. He doesn't want us being light. He wants to rip our hearts out and, and, and exhaust that light. And Is that hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. That's old school church stuff. But that's Ephesians 2.10. There's a slide for this. This is one of my favorite verses. And I want to read it in the Living Bible. Because in some of your versions, it'll say that you are God's masterpiece. You're his work of art. I always want to look at it in that framework. But I like this. It is God himself who has made us in his image and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others, in serving others. You see, it's not about us. It's about throwing the covers off this morning and saying, Lord, how can I be used of you today? Because we know that the enemy of our soul wants to thwart the mission. Following Jesus really means losing your life. There is nothing easy about that, especially as people in California and Western mind thinking that today I've got to keep my job. Look at, look at sports. They have to be perfect. You think Steph Curry's thinking, how much gas do I have left in the tank? Do I, I have to keep impressing the people. Six-game clay, he's got to show up. That is a life. I don't know how these guys live it. What does Buster Posey feel like now? who just retired from the game, probably has more in the tank, but he's realizing, I want to be there for my kids. I want to do things in the community. That is counterculture. You've got players that want to hang on and stay on and think they still got it. Let me tell you, I think I still got it. I'm 52. I still think I can go up to that rim up there and slam one down. I can't. But it's in us, right? So what am I saying here? Is that you're a work of art. You're God's poem. There's no one else in this world like you. He made you in his image, and has given you a thumbprint different than all the other billions and trillions of people that have ever lived and died. You've got your very own thumbprint. How big is that? God is bigger than the whole universe. We forget that. Some days I wish I'd snap my fingers and like, man, all this light and children in the foster care system find homes and the, and the city comes to the church to help do things and and i mean that's that's the dream right that's the taste that that we want to be a part of so what does it mean to lose our life to find it well 
Maybe it means we have to be willing to let go of some of the plans that we have for our lives. That's something I had to do. Let me tell you, when my daughter was five and my wife's like, I want more children. I'm like, I don't. I don't. We were in Portland, Oregon. I'm like, I want to start a skateboard ministry. I want to do skate church. I want to work with these homeless teens that a lot of them coming from Christian homes and they are just kind of figuring out what their life is about. But my wife's like, she just kept praying. But we had to let go of our plans. She wanted lots and lots of kids. She still wants lots of kids. I'm like, I'm at capacity with these three, but all right. But no, it's true. We had to let go of the dream. You know how kids, they, they hold, at least when Isaac and my kids were little, they'd hold stuff, but they'd have to, I want to give them something good, but then they had to drop the stuff to receive what I wanted to give them because uh, I had a heart that was good, that we can trust that God's a good fa- father. So are you willing to surrender your story? Receiving the story that God wants to write through your life. Being at a church in Aurora, thinking, you know what? I could live here. I could do this. I can keep, do-. but coming out here, leaving family, that's what we're talking about is where you're surrendering your life and, and talking to your kids about, you know what? This is what calling is. This is what a mission is, that you bring your kids into something, that you bring your grandkids into something. How about the work day next Saturday? Call up your grandkids. Your parents will thank you. I'm some of our, I know some of your uh, kids live far away, and that's tough, but there is time that you could still invest. Luke 4, the mission of Jesus. By the way, Jesus wasn't here just to kick up his feet and get his 401k and uh, make a good living. No, I love this. He, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. This does not seem to me like when you become a Christian, life becomes easy. Not at all. It's that we're little Christs and we're little Christ ones and we join him on mission. We, the church, be the church. We step into stories of brokenhearted and captives and the prisoners. We raise our swords and arm ourselves for battle as we confront those who are grieving and mourning and despairing. With, with reaching people through tutoring, people in the community that are struggling and they're trying to find resources. What if the church is where they find these resources and this help that we so desperately want to give them? We get to point people to Jesus, the one who can rebuild and write these new stories. It's this beautiful life, but it's brutal. It's going to hurt. Nothing has shaped me more than parenthood, than throwing foster care. But it's an adventure, and I don't want to miss out on this adventure, and I don't want you to miss out on the adventure that that God has for you, because my mission is to co-labor on public school campuses. I wake up, and I have a conversation with Jesus. Lord, who are we going to talk to today? Who needs the touch of you? Who? Lead me to the the teacher. Lead me to the person. Lead me today when I go to the skate park and I'm nervous and I don't want to go because I don't feel like it. I could always rationalize other things. But when I go, God always shows up because it's a conversation. It's when you're in your neighborhood and you're praying for your neighbors. You're, you're joining the dance with God. You're bringing him in on it because he wants to use you. That's what we want to do. Keep God in the conversation. I want to take back from the enemy what he stole from teenagers which is their spirits. They're disillusioned. 
They're walking around like zombies, covered up in their phones, headphones. They want, no, trying to, I think, block out the voices. But God's voice calls us to be the siren song to bring them back, that they were God's idea, his masterpiece. All his artwork, and the enemy hates that. Let me tell you, the enemy hates that. But we put on the armor of God, right? We raise our swords. You that are married, what's your mission together? Not just individually, but together. Reminded yesterday of Rick and, and Judy Engel, how they had a mission together. It's not just separate, it's together. So what's that dream? What's, are you a little bit uncomfortable or is life going pretty comfortable for you? What are you chasing after this morning? We have a humble servant, the God of the universe, who took out the outer robe and he took like a cleaning rag and he washed the feet of his friends. And you've heard this before, one that will betray him, one that will deny him, and all the rest will run away. Before Jesus carried the 125 to 150 pound cross beam on his shoulders on his way to his death, he's going to stop and wash feet first. Wow. That's the God that we serve. In closing, I'm going to have the band come up. I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. I want you just to think. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with us this morning. Thank you that you are in this place through the worship, through just being together. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak right now. You'd give us pictures and images. Lord, I know there's my friends in here who are having dreams and you're nudging them in some way. Lord, show them the next step. What's the thing in their hand right now that they need to drop and just drop so they can pick up the dream, a new dream in this new season as we're coming up to a, a summer season, Lord. Lord, how are we inconveniencing ourselves for the convenience of others? Lord, how can we bring the taste of heaven to earth? What is standing in the way in our hearts, God, of, from fully, fully, fully following you with all who we are, God? Our tender Father, gentle and lowly, I am humble and gentle of heart. That is your posture towards us this morning, Lord. We can trust your heart. Thank you that you lift the burden of our sin. You took it on you all yourself. You who knew no sin became sin so that we become the righteousness of Christ. Thank you. Thank you for this gift, the gone fishing. You did it all, God, through your son, Jesus. The gone fishing sign on the religion shop. 
So Lord, if there's anybody in here that hasn't taken a step and received this gift, I pray this morning they would receive this gift. You are our Abba Father. Thank you that you're here with us this morning as we continue to worship God. Give us images and pictures of your power and your authority. We want to co-labor with you and be light in the world of dark and lies and untruths and all that junk. God, we want to be light.